Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ben Jarofsky, put the election results down, okay? We got a show to do. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm mainlining them. Uh, Nevada, Arizona. Come on. Your Ben Jarofsky show for <laughs> Thursday, November 5th. It's just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this podcast. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, are sponsors, as well as our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Greetings, Illinois. Oh, hey. What's going on, Kamala? <laughs> For a second, I thought it was Phyllis. <laughs> it was Kamala. Springfield yeah, right. politician. Uh, That's yeah. Phyllis. <laughs> Greetings, Illinois. That's Kamala. Got Springfield it, Kamala. politician. Phyllis. <laughs> Greetings, Illinois. Kamala. Got it. I think I can pass the test right now if you were to give me one. All right. Well, I'm not. So let's do your song of the day. Your song of the day comes from Frank, of course. And uh, it's Rockin' Robin, but by Michael Jackson. Oh, come on. That's my favorite. Right. <laughs> Not a word yet. <laughs> Rock and Robin. There. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> I forget the rest of the words. <laughs> but I remember the. He was about 10 years old when he did that, I guess. Ah, uh, yes. Michael Jackson. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Thursday, November 5th, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, In These Times writer, Miles Camp-Lassen. And now your host. Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello everybody, Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Chessboard Thursday, and here's why. As you know, I've been obsessed with The Queen's Gambit, the Netflix series about Beth Harmon, the fictitious, brilliant chess player. I binged in on over the weekend. Couldn't get enough. Wish there were more. Shout out to Joan for the request. You're awesome. Yes, Joan is the one who's led me in that direction. And I followed her, and I'm obsessed. All right. Beth Harmon is a super smart orphan girl who at the age of nine discovers she has a talent, a genius actually, for chess. She learns this thanks to the janitor who hangs out playing chess in the basement of her orphanage, a detail that's not absolutely crucial to this narrative, but which I felt compelled to add nonetheless. Focus, Ben, focus. Part of Beth's brilliance is that she can visually see the, she could visualize, I should say, the chessboard in her head at night. She's lying in bed before drifting off to sleep, and she could see, actually see, the chessboard pieces on the ceiling in her mind. She makes her move here, there, everywhere. And that's me! 
No, 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 no. Not with chess. Haven't played chess on a consistent basis since the summer of 1969. Though I did momentarily show up for a meeting at the chess club at Evanston High School, and then I discovered how hard chess was and how much work this would be. And I go, eh, I think I'll just eat pizza instead. Anyway, no, at night I lie awake and instead of seeing chess pieces on a chessboard, I see the map of the country. I see the electoral map of the United States and I visualize if Nevada goes for Biden, that gives him 270 electoral votes, enough to win. But that's assuming Arizona stays in Biden's column. And it bothers me that the New York Times won't make a declaration of Arizona for Biden. Fox did. They called Arizona for Biden on election night. If Fox did it, why can't the New York Times? Hold it. There's a flourish of action on the electoral map that I'm seeing in my mind. It's on the other side of the country. In Georgia, Trump was ahead, but the late vote is coming in for Biden. The gap gap is closing. That's 16 electoral votes. Let's see. If Biden wins Georgia, we don't need Arizona, but we still need Nevada. Hold it. A flurry of action to the north. In Pennsylvania, Trump was ahead, but the vote's coming in is... Biden closing the gap. That could be 20 more electoral votes. If we get those votes, we don't need Arizona or Georgia or Nevada. Wait, is that true? Time out for a math equation. You need 270 electoral votes to win. Hillary had 232, but she got Nevada. That means if Biden doesn't get Nevada, you have to take away those six. So she's down to 226. But what if Biden regains the three states in the so-called blue wall that Hillary didn't win? That means 10 from Wisconsin, thank you cheese ads, 16 from Michigan, go blue, and 20 from Pennsylvania. I love the Phillies. That's, hold on, Dan Biss time. 16 plus 10 is 26, plus 20 is 46. Add that to 226, carry the one, two, 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 272. Damn. Joey wins. Damn, that was great math. <laughs> it's official. Dan Biss, who needs you? <laughs> Come on, Pennsylvania! And then I fall asleep. In the old days, I'd be imagining bulls free throws, but instead I'm counting electoral votes. And I wake up and good God, I see the map again. Every now and then an ordinary human being who doesn't see the electoral map in his or her brain as he or she falls asleep will say to me, hey Ben, you follow politics. Who's winning? And then I feel like Beth, back in the movie, playing the rookie chess player. Like, they can see one or two moves ahead, but she can visualize dozens. And she crushes them in five minutes. And so I'm like, well, <laughs> here we go. Biden's going to win Pennsylvania, in my, I think, because the outstanding vote is coming from Philly. That's Biden country. And Biden should win Nevada because the outstanding vote is in the mail, and that favors them. Not sure about Arizona. Don't, wear, no, don't know where the outstanding vote is. Trump picked up 23 votes yesterday, but they were absentee. There's two kinds of absentee. One by mail, one dropped off. Not sure which one favors Trump. Then there are the lawsuits. Oh, no, the lawsuits. And suddenly, I'm reviewing lawsuits. Trump saying, stop counting the vote in Pennsylvania where he's head, but he's saying, recount the vote in Wisconsin, because he's behind. And he's saying, keep counting the vote in Nevada and Arizona, where he's losing. So he's for mail-in votes in Arizona, where he needs them, but he's against them in Georgia, where he knows they'll turn the election against him. So on one hand, he's saying, immediately stop counting any votes that wouldn't count on election day. In the other his hand, he's saying, keep counting votes over and over and over and over, until somehow or other, I have more votes than Biden. 
If necessary, throw his votes out. Just keep counting, 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 counting. So you ask, how can he say one thing that totally contradicts the next thing he's saying? Because that's how Republicans roll people like I keep telling you. There are no principles, only tactics when it comes to Trump and the Republican Party. Now back to the chessboard. We've got a great show today, everybody. Hit the table. Hit the table. Yes. Yes. Another chessboard visualizer, Miles Conflassen, will be with us. From in these times, I was talking to him. He's, he's. I think he actually plays chess. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't played since like 1969. I wasn't bad. There's no Beth Harmon, but I was okay. But he's like on the phone conversation today. Well, Ben, Nevada goes this way, Arizona goes that way. If uh, Georgia goes this way, North Carolina. Don't forget North Carolina. And then we have Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Blah, blah. <laughs> He's ready to talk, ready to take the deep dive. All you chess players out there, we all, we only want the Beth Harmons of the world, all right? That's why, because the Ben Jarowski Show is, our listeners know how the game is played, D, and they visualize the chessboard when they fall asleep at night, too. So anyway, we'll be talking plenty of chessboard politics with Miles, plus a little local political talk with Miles as well. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man who's been playing chess, since he was two years old. Why? <laughs> False. <laughs> the man they call Dr. Rook. False. Because he, <laughs> he loves the Rook. It's his favorite piece. Uh, wait a minute. Where was I? Oh, yes. The man they call Dr. D with the news. For the love of God, it's Dennis. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> All right, before we go anywhere, live stream listener, Doogie, I'm playing your voicemail right here, right now, sir. I've been meaning to play this all week, but, you know, with the election going on and, you know, my internet going down yesterday, we got a little busy, all right? So here we go. This is from Doogie. His voicemail is from a completely different world known as Monday, you know, before the presidential (laughs) election. Wait, let me visualize Monday. Okay, got it in my mind, D. All right, we're gonna play this now. Dugers, this voicemail's three minutes. All right, and, and you know we gotta keep the people listening entertained. So this may get cut off early. I don't know. We're gonna find out. Here we go. Doogie's voicemail from Monday. Thank you very much for reaching out, Doogie. Oh, the brown light. Okay. It's going to work this time, Doogie. I promise you. You see, I do these from my phone. And you got to have your phone linked up to this kooky board that I have. So sometimes you just can't get it working correctly. That's what's going on right now. I'm playing this damn thing, Doogie, all right? I promise. All right, here we go, Doogie. Now, for the love of God, please, why isn't this working? Okay. I swear to God, this isn't a bit, guys. All right. (laughs) It's a funny bit. (laughs) It is kind of funny. All right. I'm watching Dennis sweat right now. Here we go. We got it. All right. Let's do this. Doogie. All right. So it's Monday, about 4.45 p.m., the day before the election. And all this time, I've been so pissed off at the DNC for rigging the primary against Bernie and conspiring to sabotage his campaign for both elections, 2016 and 2020. And I've also felt betrayed when the DNC and the Democrats ganged up on 
uh, Al Franken and forced him out. <clears throat> I've been really feeling betrayed. I can't stand Myritz. When Democrats move center, that's the whole reason why the Republicans have gone extreme right, because they have no other, other way to go. And progressives are told to fall in line. Tomorrow's the day. And I've been adamant a year ago, vote blue no matter who. And then as time progressed, I said, after Bernie got rigged and the system was not a level playing field anymore, I got really pissed off and I said, you know what, I'm writing in Bernie. All right, we're going to stop it there. Ben, your thoughts? Well... I uh, really appreciate Doogie for weighing in because it actually uh, gets at some of the themes he is uh, was raising there on Monday before the election went down. Some of the themes that are really coming to the surface now, Doogie, and I was talking to Miles about it uh, before the show, and it's definitely something that we're going to address when Miles comes on. Miles, as everybody knows, has come on the show many times, big-time Bernie Sanders supporter, um, writer for In These Times, a, a left-of-center publication, to put it mildly, writer for uh, Jacobin, another left-of-center publication, to put it mildly. He's definitely of the leftist persuasion. And Miles was saying, the Democratic Party, it's time for the Democratic Party to have a reckoning. Democratic Party has to figure out what its message is. And Doogie, you're absolutely correct. The Democratic Party has been sort of following the advice of the Rahm Emanuels and the David Axelrods and the Barack Obamas, and even to a certain degree, the Lincoln Project, which is a collection of Republican malcontents, the people who left the Republican Party and are trying to move the Democrats a little closer to the Republicans. Uh, and trying to uh, shame Republican voters into voting for Joe Biden on the grounds that uh, Donald Trump is such an abominable human being. So yes, uh, Doogie, they were kind of taking your vote for granted and my vote for granted and uh, Dennis's vote for granted and Miles's vote for granted and Candace Castillo's vote for, all lefties. They were just taking our votes for granted because on the assumption we have nowhere else to go and we despise Donald Trump so much and we realize this country cannot tolerate another four years of Donald Trump be very difficult to tolerate those four years so you're absolutely correct in that they made a decision to just take you for granted and then i got this text and i want to thank um frank for sending me this i wouldn't have seen it if you hadn't sent it to me uh this just came in right before we did the show it is a uh it looks like a, a, a tweet from claire mccaskill a former senator of missouri who has now got a gig i don't know what station she's on some network i guess it's msnbc where she's sort of the voice of the right in the democratic party and here's what claire mccaskill says quote whether you are talking guns or abortion, or gay marriage, and rights for transsexuals, and she has transsexuals in quotes, like it's not a real thing or something, and other people who we as a party, quote, look after and make sure they are treated fairly as we circle the issues we left voters behind and Republicans dove in. So I don't, you know, like, wow. I read that right before we came on the air. And I'm like, so you're saying we should even move further to the right? Uh, I mean, Claire McCaskill's like, let's move further to the right. So MAGA comes and votes for us. Folks, we have a serious issue in this country. Two fronts. One, Democrats have to figure out who they are and what they represent. But the other thing is MAGA really likes Trump. When I say MAGA, we're talking 48% of the country. They voted for him once. People said, oh, well, that was just one time. You know, it's like an experiment. <laughs> Let's see what, you know, they're just checking it out. Let's see what happens when the dog drives, is Dennis's joke. It's a pretty funny joke. Well, guess what, guys? 
The dog drove the car off the cliff and MAGA signed up for another ride. They like him. They like his rhetoric. They like his style. They like how he just goes about his daily life. They like the way he trash talks. They like the way uh, he counter punches. So if you criticize him, he hits you back three times. They like that. And so that also means no gun reform. He's promised that. That's the declaration. So we've had so many mass shootings during Donald Trump's uh, tenure, but no gun reform. Remember 2018, uh, after the shooting in Florida, at the school in Florida, there was like an uprising of young people declaring gun reform. That was an issue uh, in the 2018 uh, midterm elections. Now Claire McCaskill is saying, no, forget all that. We want to get MAGA. Got to go move right on guns. And we have to what? What what does she want us to do with transsexuals? In quotes, like they don't really exist. So what I'm saying is there is a division within the Democratic Party. Like there's people in the Democratic Party who don't think the Democrats have gone right enough. (laughs) They just, they want us to like throw gay people under a bus. I'm sorry, we're now against gay marriage. Is that right? Is that what the Democrats should do? Come out against gay marriage? Dennis is going to do an update later in the show. Should the Democrats also come out against reefer, legalized reefer? Should Democrats just emulate whatever Donald Trump is saying in the hopes of winning MAGA over? You're not going to win MAGA over unless you emulate, emulate the part of Donald Trump that no Democrat has seemed able to do. And that's the trash talking, you know, you punch me, I punch you three times. None of this go high when you go low stuff. I can't think of one Democrat who's emulated that aspect of Donald Trump. You know, we don't have like The Rock running for president of the United States who could give Donald Trump every bit of what Donald Trump gives him. I can't, all the candidates, like Joe Biden, the guy we chose is the one who is consciously not like Trump. Well, I'm going to be moderate in my response and he's going to say mean, horrible things about me and I'm not going to say anything mean and horrible about him because that wouldn't be right. Hey, the, the election results are coming in. You didn't pick up any MAGA votes doing that. If the Democrats win the election that I do think Joey B will prevail, it'd be because more Democrats turned out to vote this time. I think that's what the results will show. That's why we're going to win back Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, unless Donnie can get the Supremes to overturn it. That'll be his strategy. So, Doogie, you're on to something. If you feel abandoned, that's because they abandoned you. If you feel like they took you for granted, that's because they took you for granted. And now, Claire McCaskill is saying they should even take you more for granted. So yeah, it's it's a it's a moment of decision for the Democratic Party. Where are we going? What do we believe in? What are our values? Uh, the the strategy of 2018 that worked in swing districts where like Lauren Underwood won didn't really work in 2020. It looks like Lauren Underwood might lose. So being nice to Republicans and just getting along uh, didn't seem to <laughs> didn't seem to win over a lot of MAGA voters. 
So Doogie, thank you for a comment because I think you're really on to something. Doogie, you're the man. That was a great voicemail. Up top, buddy. All right, cool. Guys, be like Doogie. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show. Leave us a voicemail, and we'll try our best not to play it four days later. But <laughs> who are we kidding? There's a good chance we will. 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. Eight. Let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. And we begin with the governor, J.B. Pritzker. Illinois is a state with a grand history of profound impact. All right, we get it. You love Illinois. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me tell you. Didn't some guy make the cell phone live in Illinois? Yeah, something. The remote control or something. We get it, guy. Today, the governor will be at the Thompson Center delivering his 2.30 p.m. COVID-19 update. And, well, don't be surprised if the governor uh, seems a little more irked than usual this <laughs> afternoon. His proposed yeah. fair tax initiative did not pass on Tuesday. And so far... He's not taking it that well. The enemy is you. Hey, I voted yes for fairness. <laughs> you surely aren't talking about me, sir. Wait, wait. wait. Hold on, man. That's hilarious. Where'd you get the enemy is you thing? Have we played that before? Yeah, we've played it a few uh, times. Uh, I must have been smoking reefer. I love the enemy. What was he talking about when he said the enemy is you? Uh, with like the coronavirus and like not wearing oh. a mask. <laughs> Oh, JP, that went over a lot of voters down in Clay County. You, you're the enemy. The following, Actually, I'm with you, JP. That's Trump. That's like I was just saying, be more like Trump. Go ahead, D. The following comes from WBEZ and Tony Arnold. Democratic Governor JB Pritzker gave an impassioned and pointed response to voters' rejection of his plan to move the state to a graduated income tax, blaming those who funded the opposition to the plan for, quote, throwing middle-class families under the bus. The proposed constitutional amendment needed 60% of the vote or a simple majority of support from those voting in the election. And on Wednesday, the Associated Press reported the amendment failed, with those voting no on the constitutional amendment garnering around 500,000 more votes than those voting yes. Here's the quote from Pritzker on the rejection of the fair tax proposal. Quote, the opponents of the fair tax lied about what would happen if it passed, and they left all of the working people holding the bag. It's no surprise these are the same people who pushed for Bruce Rauner's agenda and will resurrect his failed crusade any way they can. To the people of Illinois, you deserved a fairer tax system, and you still do. But that didn't happen. Now, I got to say, this next quote here from J.B. Pritzker, a little dark. Not the uh, jovial JB that we're used to. Illinois is a state with a grand history of <laughs> profound impact on our nation and our world. Sounded really happy there, right? Yeah. Right, well, in this statement, Pritzker said, quote, There will be cuts, and they will be painful. This is JB's first big loss. Dude was on a roll in 2019. The legalization of reefer, a raised minimum wage, a balanced budget. And in Illinois, that apparently is a major accomplishment. <laughs> ben Jarofsky, we go to you now. In your humble opinion, will there be cuts? Will they be painful? Or are we just finally seeing how our governor handles losing? Yes, yes, and yes. 
And let me just say this. I've now forgotten the questions. I concentrated on each one. And, you know, it's like a chess game, D. I had to think three questions ahead. Yes, with the first one. I remember the second one, yes. Now I did the third one. I forgot the first one already. Oh, we see God. We see why you stopped playing chess. <laughs> it's hard, dude. You got to, like, think ahead. If you move here, you'll move there. If he moves there, you don't have to move there. What will happen? But what if you move there and he moves there? Back to Pritzker. See, this is what I was just talking about. Just imagine if Donnie Trump had lost a similar initiative. First of all, just, just imagine if Donnie Trump had been pushing the fair tax. Just like, and Kenny Griffin put those commercials. Imagine the blitzkrieg of tweets denouncing Kenny G. Nonstop. Coming off of, imagine J.B. Pritzker tweeting, <laughs> waking up, hold <laughs> <laughs> on, honey, get a tweak, Kenny G sucks, whatever. You know, just imagine if J.B. Pritzker had handled the fair tax, and the name sucks anyway. Oh my God, fair tax. That's like that reform stuff brain thing. I can't even get the words out. Reform brain thing in Illinois. It's going to be fair. Hey, the system's not fair to you folks. Dennis Plant pays the same rate as J.B. Pritzker. Hey, guys. How's it going? As Kenny G. That's not fair. So they go, well, we'll emphasize the fair part. No, no. Emphasize Dennis gets a tax break. Dennis gets a tax cut. Say, I'm putting money in Dennis's pocket. That's how Trump would do it. I'm trying to give Dennis money, and Kenny G won't let me do it. Instead, it's fair tax. People are like, wait, I don't even get what a fair tax means. I thought it was already a fair tax because it's a flat tax and everybody pays the same rate. What does fair have to do it? That's like the fair maps initiative. Well, let's be fair with the way we draw the maps. And instead they have an advantage for the Democrats, let's just make it fair so the Republicans get, oh, like the Republicans ever play that game. So I welcome JB finding his inner Donnie Trump. I welcome it. <laughs> okay. Come on, Dems. Wake up. You got your butts whooped twice by Donnie. You're so, like, Ugh. are you calling for that in 2021? JB finds his inner Donald Trump. Are, are you yes. calling for that right now? Yes, it's 2020. I'm saying I'm calling it, for okay. it right now. All right. And he should have filed it last year. Oh, wow. Yes. I've decided I'm drinking from the Donnie Trump. Hold on. <laughs> okay. I'm drinking the Trump Kool-Aid. Did you sleep last night? What is going on right now? Hold on. I'm drinking a little MAGA. Mm. It's kind of sweet, MAGA. I've never drunk from MAGA. Oh, it's sweet. <laughs> it tastes like <laughs> Darren Bailey's farm. Oh, let me try a little more. See, that's the thing. So JB pushed, oh, we're gonna play it fair. They didn't even push for it. Half the Democrats in the state of Illinois were like, oh, I don't wanna put my uh, neck on the line for that one. So I'll let JB do the heavy lifting on that one. Yeah, well, it didn't work, guys. You got crushed. It was a poorly worded uh, cr uh, initiative to begin with. Nobody understood. He had to have an attorney to figure out what the hell it meant. I had to call in uh, Jim Cougar. Jim, can you help me out on the phone? This fair tax thing. 
You know, I don't understand it. Could you, you know, what are your hourly rates for explaining the fair tax referendum? You mentioned that, and we actually uh, got a, a tweet from more or at more socialism on Twitter. He reached out to us about the fair tax. Uh, at more socialism says, "quote I'm pissed off that the language on the ballot was more complex than what the amendment actually was. The language on the referendum and all the advertising uh, advertising completely confused the issue, which was removing a sentence from the state constitution. So that's what." Yeah. Yes. More socialism. You should be running a party. <laughs> the sentence removed would give Dennis would put money in Dennis's pocket. And that's how Donnie Trump would have done it. I want to give Dennis money. Kenny Griffith won't let me give Dennis money. And then Dennis would be like, hey, everybody, I'm broke. <laughs> I'm broke. Or you can use me. Dead broke reader writer taking another pay cut. Hey, give Ben some more money. Or any of you, Frank, we're going to put money in your pocket. Doogie, we're going to put money in your pocket. I don't think I have any billionaires listening to this show. Everybody's dead broke listening to my show. We're going to put money in your pocket. So I I don't blame JB for being mad. The reality is there are obligations that have to be met. Uh You got to raise the money to pay those obligations. Someone has to contribute. So now it's either cut the obligations or raise everybody's taxes. And shout out to Jim on the live stream chat. He gave us an editorial note here. Uh, the bit you're doing there where you're drinking the MAGA, you said it was sweet. Jim's editorial note uh, for this bit, if we keep doing it, it should taste bitter, right? Well, let me try. Good point. Hold on. Right? Can we just do a read? Jim, good point. We may change it for the podcast. Yeah, we'll edit Hold that on. out. See. Go ahead. Let's do this uh, over uh, again. So- <laughs> Hold on, Jim. This is for you. <clears throat> Just drank from the mag. Oh God, it's bitter. <laughs> All right, there we go. There it is. There it is. Look at that teamwork, yeah, huh, Jim? The- <laughs> I've never done the choking. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, uh, before we forget here, boy, you uh-huh. had an excellent sound effect for sleeping earlier. That was Did really I? good. Yeah, yeah. You hit the snore, <laughs> and it was like, and, and then, oh, that's great. That's really good. I, then I go to the bird. Hold on, watch this. I don't know where that comes from. It's like a bird flying over as I sleep. I'm not kidding, guys. I, I, I you think I was joking, but last night I lay away. Nevada, take six, Arizona, 11. I actually know the number of uh, 10 for Wisconsin, 16 for Michigan, 20 for Wait, here comes North Carolina. We're closing the gap. That's the gap closing. Yeah, that was me last night. Beth Harmon moving pieces. We still have two races yet to be decided from Tuesday's Illinois general election. The first is the nail-biter in the 14th congressional district between Democratic incumbent Lauren Underwood and her Republican challenger, the ice cream man, Jim Oberweiss. (laughs) Big Jimmy. Uh. He loves vanilla. Uh, The last we heard, Oberweiss on Wednesday pulled a Trump and declared himself the winner. But that was based on incomplete returns that gave him a 895-vote lead over Underwood. But Oberweiss does have a very slim lead over uh, Underwood at the moment. And I do have the latest update I could find. Uh, This is from the Daily Herald uh, at about 11 uh, this morning. Republican challenger Jim Oberweiss's already slim lead over Democratic incumbent Lauren Underwood in the 14th congressional district race narrowed even further on Thursday. And the contest Mm -hmm. remains 
too close to call. Oberweiss is now in front, uh, 189,108 to 188,346. Oh, man, a lot of numbers. Uh, a difference of, don't, don't worry, uh, Dan Biss must have written this article, gotten some uh, <laughs> some help here on this. A difference of only 762 <laughs> votes. So there we go. So it went down eight from 890 to 895. 895. Uh, Dan Biss, can you help me out? <laughs> Come on, Danny. Get us some numbers here. Oh, we need some help. How about Will Kazard? He looks like a smart guy. Will Kazard, I'm good at math too. Did I tell you that? Wait, hold on. Let me do the math. 895. Hold on, Danny Biss. That's three, three, one. 133 votes, D. Uh oh, here we are. That's the sound of the lead shrinking. Over, over, not as good as your sleeping sound effect. Uh, Oberweiss has fifty point one percent of the vote. Underwood has forty nine point nine percent of the vote. Holy cow! Oh, come on, Lauren Underwood. You know everybody knows I'm a big fan of Lauren Underwood. D. I think you are too. Yeah, she's and, cool. Uh, she's really cool. Uh, and I got much respect for her. And I absolutely despise the campaign that Jim Oberweiss ran, the the MAGA campaign. I'm going to Kenosha. I'm going to Kenosha to what? what? What are you going to Kenosha for? Like, what was that all about? I think I know, but explain it. What are you celebrating? When when a, a black man was shot in the back seven times by a police officer, and then there was unrest, and uh, there was rioting, and then some knuckleheads, MAGA hat lovers, brought out their weaponry, Start walking among the the protesters, and two protesters were killed. What part of that are you celebrating? I'm trying to think, like, what, what, what message, Jim Oberweiss, are you sending when you go to Kenosha with Donald Trump? I think I know, but I'd love to hear it from you. What are you celebrating? Law and order, as if the shooting of those two protesters means law and order. Are you, what, I don't know, she's celebrating the police? I don't know what, what, what you're doing going to Kenosha with Donald Trump. Oh, I know what you're doing. You're trying to say that Lauren Underwood, a black woman, is responsible for rioting. You're trying to link Lauren Underwood to, oh, just occurred to me. Yeah, so what a crummy campaign that does absolutely nothing to, like, move us forward as a civilization. So, D, I am really hoping. Come on, Lauren Underwood. Come on, voters. Those votes. Here comes another vote. We open it up. Here we go. Hold on. I got to open it up. Here we go. Oh, wait. Hold on. That piece of paper. Ah, here we go. Here we go. Hold on. Got to open it up. And another vote for Lauren Underwood. Yeah, that's funny, Jim. Yeah, I know that's funny. Overwise, what a what a what a crew! I won, just like Donnie won. I'm t stop counting the votes. Meanwhile, meanwhile in Arizona, keep counting those votes. Meanwhile in Wisconsin, where they finished counting votes, no, count them again. <laughs> yeah, Overwise. I'm really rooting for Lauren Underwood D. I'm really rooting for Lauren. Underwood. Oh my God, Pin! I got something in my mail now. Hold on, what is this? Let me look here in my. <laughs> Oh, it's ice cream. <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Hey, you give me an ice cream cone. Maybe we go another way. Okay. Now it's going to take more than an ice cream cone. 
It's going to take a lot more than an ice cream cone to get me to switch from Lauren Underwood. To Thoughts and opinions of Ben Jarofsky do not reflect those of Dennis, pal. All right. On <laughs> ice cream cone and I'm yours. On to Sherry Bustos. Her mm. race against GOP newcomer Esther Joy King has yet to be called, which is different than too close to call. Because according to Shia Kapos in Illinois Politico, even though Bustos appears to have a comfortable lead, some rank-and-file Democrats are frustrated that the party's campaign tactics failed and are calling for a revamp of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee and their chairwoman, Sherry Bustos. Uh, this follows Bustos and Speaker, Na uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi predicting earlier in the week that the House would win a dozen seats. Instead, some freshman Democrats, including Representative Lauren Underwood, as we mentioned here, are in races too close to call or already out. Yeah, I uh, well, there's two separate issues here. One is uh, Sherry Bustos running for her own uh, re-election and whether she'll win. I gather, uh, based on what she wrote, that uh, you know, I just want to point this out that the, the 20th congressional district is not one of the chess pieces floating in my mind as I lie awake at night. Trying, I'm still obsessed with the electoral map, but my guess is that people who are paying attention, like Shia Kapos, have figured out that the votes that are yet to been count uh, will probably be for Sherry Bustos. So. Um, that's one issue. The other issue is the uh, the National Democrats and their whole attitude toward challengers and primaries. And we've discussed this in the past on this show. And Sherry Bustos and my beloved uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, have this uh, hostile attitude to anyone who dares to run against an incumbent, even Marie Newman. If you recall, back in 2018, uh, they supported uh, Dino Danny Lipinski. Boy, there's a blast from the past, Hundy. Huh, oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't mentioned that name in a while. It's a miracle I even remembered it. Uh, Dino Danny. Dino Danny. Guys, I'm cool, all right? Come on, <laughs> listen. Uh, and uh, they had this provision. So if follow me. If you're a, uh, a consultant, a strategist, an operative, and you work for a challenger, they would not award you a contract that would hire you. And I thought that was preposterous. Just absolutely preposterous. Like you're cutting yourself off from some of the most creative minds that the Democratic Party has. It just gets it gets to Doogie's point. Like, what are you about? Is this a private club where only for people who've already entered it and that's it? Nobody else is allowed to come in. No challenges. No fresh blood. You know, is that is that what the Democratic Party is all about? So with like, it's it, you, you can't forgive and move on afterwards i actually never believed they would follow through on it d uh but that was the declaration they made if you work on behalf of a candidate who's challenging an incumbent we will not hire you for business in the future i thought that was a um, short-sighted uh strategy uh, and mandate or whatever you want to call it uh, ultimatum declaration whatever <laughs> And I think it will work against the Democrats and they think should rethink because some of the fresh blood in the Democratic Party in areas uh, like Sherry Bustos district come from lefties. Some of the excitement comes from lefties. If you want that enthusiasm uh, in the uh, pro in the general election, when you go up against Republican, you got to do more to welcome them into the fold before you get desperate and demand their votes. All right. We do have breaking news here. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> Shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. He sent the info. Let's see here. AP called it here. Breaking Democrat Sherry Bustos wins re-election to U.S. House in Illinois 17th Congressional District. So it's been called. 17th. Yes, yeah, 17th. My bad. I said 20th. 17th. Yes. Thank you, Frank. Um, 
and many of the levels. What would we do without Frank? Um, yeah, there you go. She won. I'm happy she won. I'm glad that uh, the Democrats held on to that seat. Ultimately, in my humble opinion, it's more important that a Democrat, no matter how centrist, holds a seat uh, rather than a Republican for the obvious reason that the greater the majority that you have in any of the two uh, chambers, the better off you'll be. And definitely you want to hold the majority so that uh, you get the chair, uh, you get to be the chairman of the committees. And um, so, yes, better, ultimately better for the Democrats that Jerry Bustos is victorious. So D smash the bottle again. Woo! All right. That was great breaking news. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> Love the breaking. Hold on, D, I have to have a drink of water. Oh, okay. Mm. It's not MAGA anymore. It's okay. just regular Okay, water. good, good. We were all wondering. We were all wondering. <laughs> all right, more Illinois election fallout and on to the state rep, re- uh, state rep race in the 66th district and a name that comes up every now and again on the show. Alan Skillicorn. Uh, Alan Skillicorn has conceded. On Wednesday, Skillicorn, who had appeared to exit the race before the election, conceded to Democrat Suzanne Ness. Election returns before the mail-in votes show. Ness leading 51.6% to Skillicorn's 48.4%, per, uh, 48.4%, but Skillicorn did not leave quietly. <laughs> no, he did. No. Skillicorn, just like our buddy at More Socialism, took to Twitter after the election and said, congratulations to Miss Ness. I truly wish her well. The demographics of the suburbs are changing because many Republicans are moving to Tennessee, Florida, and Texas. They are leaving for lower taxes, booming economies, better schools, and less crime. (laughs) Chicago runs Illinois now. Oh my God, that's hilarious. You know, that's, see, Dabs, are you watching? That's how Republicans play the game. Dems, Dems always like, I want to thank my opponent, ran a great campaign. You know, you ever been at like an election night and the Democrat has lost, and the Democrat comes before uh, his or her supporters, people who put in, you know, volunteered their time, uh, just so much sweat and energy on behalf of the person and it's been a hard fought campaign where they've been just ripping each other running commercials just like disparaging the other one this was a no good mother beep that's the commercial so it's election night and the democrat comes up and I go uh, I just got a phone call from Dennis let's say Dennis was the opponent and everybody in the crowd goes boo and someone goes, oh, beep, Dennis. No, no, no. That's the candidate. I don't no, like no. this example. No, no. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not how we do it. No, we're, no, we're all, no, we're all part of the 17th Congressional District, and we all love each other. And I just want to say that even though I worked hard against Dennis, uh, I think he's a good man. Uh, I think he cares about the district. And I want to help out with the transition. And meanwhile, the rank and file, oh, no, I can't stand this mother peep. I thought you were just saying what I, no, 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 that's not how we Democrats do it. But now let's flip it. Here's Skillet Corn. Uh, I want to thank uh, Suzanne Ness for winning. And I just want to say the only reason she won is because the Democrats are driving everyone to Texas. And I, ladies and gentlemen, I have the documents to prove it. Crime is everywhere. Kenosha. Now, listen, I ain't going to say this to your face, but I'm going to tell you right now, all right? On Twitter. (laughs) That's the other thing. I'm not going to say I'm going to put it out on Twitter. I want to congratulate Mrs. Nass or Ms. Nass. But having said that, 
Well, the only reason she won is because her wretched policies have sent all the good people out of Illinois. And it's being taken over by Chicago. And you know what I mean by Chicago. Now, you know, I could just say this right to your face, you know, like a grown adult, or, you know, just keep it to myself. But I got something to say on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Skillicorn, heck of a guy, that Alan Skillicorn. Real class act there. That a Republican's class act. Although, DM holding out. Uh-oh. Here's delusion. Ooh. Let me have another sip of the delusion. All right. Mm. Must be very hydrated today. <laughs> the delusion really tastes good. Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, I'm drinking from the delusional cup. They'll be more democratic in their behavior uh, if, with Joey B as president and uh, Mitch McConnell running the Senate. I think they will occasionally cross the aisle for the good of the country, <laughs> for the good of the country and vote with the Democrats. Like just to pass see what miles thinks about this i think he's going to take the opposite stand just to like you know approve uh, somebody in the cabinet you know something like that that's that's just me drinking the delusional kool-aid there you go and yes everybody twitter kind of sucks hey this news <laughs> went under the radar on election day state senator bill brady told republican caucus members that he will not run for re-election as senate minority leader a position that he's held since 2017 here's the quote from brady quote when i was an elected leader i said i would not pursue any other elective office during my leadership of the caucus while my decision not to seek re-election as senate republican leader may close this chapter it by no means is the final word on my desire to serve our state and tackle those challenges. Now, obviously, this quote here uh, and this news prompted speculation about what Brady might do next. The Herald and Review suggested Brady may take another run for governor. For those who don't know, Bill Brady, God bless him. He's got a little <laughs> got a little fear ready in him. He loves running. Brady previously ran for Illinois governor in 2006, 2010, and 2014. Ben Jarofsky, <laughs> fourth time's a charm. Will Billy B run for governor? I think that's what he's aiming for, D. That's what, I think it that's like. what he's aiming for. Uh, 2014, of course, he uh, lost to Bruce Rauner, uh, and uh, Bill, the billionaire in the race was a little hard to beat. Uh, you know, and so yeah, I think there's but it's gonna be a heated race 2022 against JB. Uh, you got to figure you got this downstate vote locked up, they, they don't like JB, so um, you got to figure DB, Darren Bailey, that is throw, uh, his uh, uh, cowboy hat in the ring. You got to figure uh, RB, uh, Rod Blago Blagojevich will throw his. What does he have? A baseball cap into the ring, you know? RB. <laughs> hey, man, he's the one who was the front for Trump and rallies throughout the state. He did more for Trump than Bill Brady did. Just saying. RB in 2022. Come on, RB. Run as a Republican. That's a stretch, man. I'm still not buying that one yet. Blagojevich running for governor legal. again. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's that issue of legality, but it's never stopped Trump before. RB's thinking about it. He's right now, oh, they love me. I was down in Mount Greenwood. They love me there. I was with my quote unquote homies in Trump Tower. They like me there. And uh, Donnie will tweet out support for me. Remember, he's a Trumpocrat. So I think he's thinking about it. The only question is, is it legal? I have no idea if it's legal. And yeah, that's what you have lawyers for, D. 
get a lawyer, you know, take it to court. It's like Trump. You hope the judge rules in your favor. So that's, it's going to be a tough race. Bill Brady, Darren Bailey, Rob Goyevich. That's just three right off the bat. Oh, and don't forget Jeannie Ives. Jeannie Ives got nothing else to do, right? She came, what did she get in the last, in the primary? Got 48% of the vote. Don't forget Jeannie Ives, D. Remember, she's walk a mile in her shoes, right? She's got some new shoes to walk around in. So just remember her. Yeah, but she's no Trumpocrat. I'm a Trumpocrat. Trumpocrat, that's right. Shout out to Fred. What's up, man, on the live stream chat? He said, come on, D, play that Trumpocrat. Yeah, play the Trump. That was some with you, Fred. <laughs> All right. And finally, oh, Speaker Madigan, um, there's a giant bus waiting for you outside. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, it's out there. What's going on? With Election Day out of the way, is the jig up? Are Illinois Democrats finally ready to move on from Madigan? <laughs> Democratic Senator Dickie D, Dick Durbin, won his election with ease on Tuesday, but it was a tougher go for other Democratic challengers in Illinois. And during an interview with WTTW, oh, and Mayor Rahm Emanuel's least favorite person to do an interview with, Paris Schutz. Seriously, go watch <laughs> Those videos, he looks so frustrated by that. Oh, seriously, Paris, come on. Like, yeah, those are funny. <laughs> strangle you right now. All right. Uh, Dick Durbin put the blame on Madigan. U.S. Senator Dick Durbin says embattled House Speaker Mike Madigan's leadership of the Illinois Democratic Party hurt Democratic candidates and, cause, and causes statewide in Tuesday's election. Uh, we have the quote here from Durbin. I found the audio, actually. It's from WTTW. Shout out to WTTW for this audio. For the love of God, don't sue us. That'd be fantastic. Here's the audio from Dick Durbin talking about the fallout from Tuesday's election. And I know you have a lot on your plate uh, looking at the national scene, but here in Illinois, Democrats didn't exactly have a great night. You have the graduated tax amendment that failed. A lot of opponents uh, sought to tie that to Mike Madigan. State Supreme Court Justice uh, Thomas Kilbride, a Democrat, lost retention. Opponents tied him to Speaker Madigan. It looks like uh, the Democrats are going to use a f lose a few seats in the State House. You've kind of punted on this question before, but House Speaker Mike Madigan is he still the right person to be leading your party, the Democratic Party in Illinois? Well, I can tell you, all across our state, and the advertising told the story. We paid a heavy price for the, uh, the Speaker's chairmanship of the Democratic Party. Candidates who had little or no connection with him whatsoever were being tarred as Madigan uh, allies who were uh, behind corruption and so forth and so on. It was really disconcerting to see the price that we paid on that. Uh, I hope he takes that to heart and understands that uh, his presence as chairman of our party has not helped. Does that mean you might get behind someone else who might run for chairman? Uh, let's wait and see what happens in, in the near term here. The House is about to reconvene in Springfield, uh, the Illinois God. House. I'm sure this conversation is going to move to a new level now that the election's behind us. And we'll be watching that. All right, our thanks to Senator Dick Durb. All right, Paris. Good. That was an excellent follow-up. Paris saw, like, you got to give the guy credit, man. That was good. That was good interviewing, Paris. So what he's asked the question, and I know you punted in the past. We've all been there. You ask a politician a question, and you know they're going to duck and dodge your punt. So you just put up front, all right. If that's When he did that, he was like, all right, folks, get ready for the punt. Get ready for the duck and the dodge. Get ready for, you know, uh, J.B. Travolta, Sugar Ray Pritzker. 
You're going to dance. Yeah. Sh- shout out to Paris Schutz. He did a great job. I watched, uh, it was like an eight minute interview and it seemed like he was going to wrap it up and then he just kind of snuck it in there at the end. This ain't yeah, his first rodeo. Yeah, it wasn't all no. The guy knows what he's doing. Good job, Paris. And uh, and then to his shock, Durbin doesn't punt. Durbin states the obvious. He states something that falls under the category of, duh. Democrats paid a huge price for Michael Joseph Madigan's presence as chairman of the party. Duh. Democrats pay a huge price for Michael Joseph Madigan's presence as Speaker of the House. Bruce Rauner and Kenny G have spent millions of dollars in advertising campaigns down through the years that have turned Michael Joseph Madigan into like a Carnival House villain. An easy just symbol of all that's wrong with Illinois politics. It's like shorthand in Illinois. Oh, yeah, Michael Madigan. Much the same way the Democrats turned Bruce Rauner into an easy villain, a shorthand for everything that's wrong with Republican control in the state of Illinois. And so my attitude, D, is much appreciation to Michael Joseph Madigan for standing up to Rauner during those four years. But he didn't make it any easier for Democrats or himself by, number one, looking the other way at best while Commonwealth Edison was hiring his cronies. Like, I don't even know why ComEd had to hire the cronies. They had the votes already. So he didn't help himself with that, to put it mildly. And secondly, he doesn't fight back. And this is the point I was making yesterday. If he's not willing to stand up and defend himself, if he's just going to play the role of the behind the scene guy, I don't even have for tweeting. He doesn't have a cell phone. You know, <laughs> he doesn't even have a cell phone. Uh, those things are horse pucky. <laughs> so you're not going to defend yourself. Like, yeah, remember, like every now and then he emerges to defend himself. And like uh, I, his defense is generally along the lines of I'm not going to uh, dignify that with a response. Oh, there's a great dis- <laughs> Aren't you guys watching what Trump's doing? Hold on, D. Got to drink more of the Trump Kool-Aid. Got to drink some MAGA. All right. Is anybody else just picturing like eight bottles on a table right now with multiple things that Ben's drinking? My God, it's very bitter. Oh, it's bitter. Hmm, It's like lemon drops. Very bitter. Sour. Very sour. That's even better. So, yeah. But then Durbin, you know, perished. He's like, whoa, he had that second question ready to go. So are you going to join an effort to unseat him? Well, <laughs> let's not be so fast, Paris. That's Durbin's way of saying, look here, sonny boy. You think I'm going to drop that news on your show? You got another something coming. And Paris like, come on, man, please. Nope, not going to do it. <laughs> and so it's like, well, I'll be watching. <laughs> come here. There you go, Dems. Way to go, huh? Way to take the bold stand, guys. I'm still a little concerned about Michael Joseph Madigan's power. So I think I'll just sneak out and go back to Washington and pretend like the whole thing didn't happen. But if you were to go down yonder to old Cricket Hill, the Chicago Sun-Times and Mark Brown... He says the next question is whether Governor J.B. Pritzker decides to address the issue. He says sooner than later for his own self-preservation, but more importantly, for the sake of his state and political party, Pritzker needs to see and say that Madigan has got to go. Well, someone's got to step up, D. 
Mark Brown is absolutely correct. By the way, Mark Brown, the, the Cricket Hill reference, we like, always like to point out, in addition to being a distinguished columnist, outstanding political observer, he's fit as a fiddle. They call him Kip Kino because his ability to run up and down. Whoa. <laughs> Cricket Hill. I don't think he'll ever outlive that column. I do it 15 times. Uh, anyway, but to the point of Mark Brown, the columnist, yes, absolutely. Someone's got to do it. So Durbin ultimately punted Paris. First, it looked like he was going to take a bold stand. Then he goes, eh, second thought, I think I'll punt and go back to Washington and just pretend as though Michael Madigan and the state of Illinois don't really exist. But now Pritzker's got a whole bunch of different problems. I mean, you know, it's, it's beyond, it's beyond chairman of the party. It's speaker of the house as well. Democrats have to decide, like, wh where are we going as a party? What do we stand for? You know, this is, we're, we're ending this segment of the show with the same question we began the segment of the show with, Doogie raised it, and uh, I mentioned what Claire McCaskill had said on Twitter. Now, Democrats have to figure it out. And one of the things in Illinois, it's pretty obvious, Democrats, that Michael Joseph Madigan has become an albatross to your party. And that all the Republicans have to do is put Michael Joseph Madigan's head on someone's neck and automatically voters downstate and in the suburbs will turn against them. So what does Michael Madigan bring to the table to counterbalance that Democrats? You got to figure that out. Do you want to stay with him? Then he has to come out and declare why, why he's did nothing wrong and why the Republicans are hypocrites to challenge him so much. He has to fight. Where was Michael Madigan in the fair tax fight? I even hate calling it the fair tax, such a dumb name. But where was he? Where was the Democratic Party? They were nowhere to be found. It's like, well, let JB do that. We don't want to get too close to it because it's a tax hike. And uh, so we'll just kind of like stand back, see what happens. Then Kenny G comes in with the big money. And then they all hit under the table. So I, it is a reckoning moment for the Democratic Party, not just nationally, but uh, in Illinois as well. If you're going to stick with Michael Madigan, then take a stand and explain why you are. But <laughs> I, to continue doing what you're doing is just road. I hate to say it. Can you say Governor Darren Bailey? Can you say Governor Bill Brady? Can you say Republican Governor Rod Blago Blagojevich? That's where you're heading, Democrats, if you continue this path, down this path. Shout out to Kathy on the live stream chat. Uh, live stream chat. She did remind us of uh, this important fact, something that happens on several occasions here on the Ben Jarofsky Show program, is that our host, Ben Jarofsky, flip-flops. <laughs> Are, did you just flip flop again on Madigan Gate? Madigan has to go. I um, I can't say, Kathy, that I flip flop because I can't remember what my last flip. -flop yeah, I think was. we've all lost track by now. <laughs> but I just like flip flopping because it gives me an opportunity uh, to take out uh, that great sound effect that Vilma created in our sound crew. So I'll do it. That's the sound of Ben flip flopping on Michael Joseph Madigan. I think I'm now for him stepping down. So was I? F uh, where was I? Dude, the last I don't time? know. I don't know. I don't make that much money to keep track of that. <laughs> Come on, Dems. Don't be like me. 
Go flip-flop, take a stand! Yeah, come on. Don't flip-flop, take a stand. Wait, hold on a second, Ben. Hold on. <laughs> oh my god, Ben. There's a guy out there with a giant cow made of butter. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Oh, it's 1922, D. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my beloved Democrats. Ah, oh, my beloved Democrats. <laughs> you can snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. So there you are, everybody. That's our local news. Uh, remember, reach out to us. We have several ways you can do that. At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can send us an email, Show at gmail.com, or you can be like Doogie, leave us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. The number again, 708-658-4788. Call the Ben Jarofsky Show, leave us a voicemail, and we'll try to play it in less than four days. All right. Well, don't hold us to that, though. All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back in these times, writer Miles Camp Lassen will be joining us. We are live from my apartment and Ben's attic. I think you're 100% full of shit is what I think. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. All right. Uh, Miles Kampflassen with us, uh, ace writer for In These Times, Jacobin Magazine. Uh, Miles, you and I before... Uh, we, uh, I went on the air today, said that one of our themes would be uh, Day of Reckoning for the Democratic Party uh, with this election. <clears throat> and I think that's a good uh, place to start our conversation uh, because we've been talking about this a lot already on the show. And I want to read to you, uh, cite to you a couple things that some of our listeners have weighed in on, and I'll contrast it with something like Claire McCaskill, uh, her view of things, okay? So uh, we had a, uh, a message from one of our uh, listeners, Doogie, who is essentially saying that as a lefty, as a Bernie Sanders supporter, he feels left out by the Democratic Party, taken for granted. They just assume he has no choice but to vote for them, and so they're not going to do anything to win him over. I got this really interesting letter from a listener named Stephen. And Stephen, thank you so much for sending this. Uh, he's uh, contrasting the vote uh, for minimum wage uh, in Florida with the vote uh, for uh, Joe Biden. I'll just read you the opening, uh, uh, Miles. Uh, Two electoral outcomes from Florida's offer a useful case study into America's political landscape that the new left Democratic leaders would do well to heed. There are the 6.3 million votes cast for a $15 minimum wage and the 5.2 million votes cast for Joe Biden. That one more time, 6.3 million votes cast for a $15 minimum wage, a very progressive idea, but only 5.2 million votes cast for Joe Biden. So Joe Biden ran behind a progressive initiative. The vast gulf, uh, Stephen continues to write, between these totals demonstrates that the corporate neoliberal ideology which moderate, which Biden embodies is dead. And he goes on to uh, make the point further, but that's the gist of it. Meanwhile, I got a uh, update from our listener, Frank. Uh, Claire McCaskill uh, tweeted out, 
and I know you know this just by looking at your face, you saw this, whether you are talking guns, abortion, or gay marriage and rights for, and she puts it in trans in quotes, transsexuals, like they don't really exist. And other people who we as a party quote, look after and make sure they are treated fairly. As we circled the issues, we left issues, we left voters behind and Republicans dove in. Wow. Miles Conflassen. What do you make out of these just drastically contrasting worldviews? Go ahead. Um, I don't, after Tuesday's election, I think there is certainly uh, a lot of people stayed up late, drank a lot of wine, you know, pulled their hair a little bit, and there's plenty of cause for um, stress, anxiety. It looks right now like... uh, Joe Biden has a pretty clear path to becoming the next president of the United States. Um, so I don't think it's helpful to be completely doom and gloom uh, right now. I think that's you, you, kind of confronting a political uh, conundrum from a place of just depression and confusion isn't helpful to anyone. But that said, we should be sober about what hap- what exactly happened on Tuesday, and that was truly a historic drubbing for the Democratic Party establishment. I don't think there's any other way uh, to look at it. Even if Biden, as appears right now, squeaks out a victory uh, over Trump, it's, inc- it's very probable right now that uh, the Republicans and Mitch McConnell will retain control over the Senate. Um, now, we do have some updates today that uh, the race in Georgia between um, Ossoff and his Republican challenger is most likely going to go to a runoff uh, in January. So there's a chance that if both of those races went the Democrats way, they could uh, build a working majority with uh, Kamala Harris as the, as the tiebreaker. I would not count on that right now. My personal opinion is that that needs to be the Democratic priority from now until then, assuming uh, Joe Biden wins. But uh, it's incredibly unlikely, and we're, the, the most likely outcome is going to be a Republican-controlled Senate. And look, that is Democrats were expecting 53, 54, 55 seats, a mass majority in the Senate, to push through uh, a sweeping agenda. Well, look, Mitch McConnell is going to do everything in his power to make sure that a Biden presidency is completely doomed to uh, be even before it starts. He's not going to let Joe Biden get a Supreme Court justice through, as we you know saw with Merrick Garland. He's not even going to, he's already signaled he's not going to allow Joe Biden to appoint any kind of liberals or progressives to cabinet positions, because of course the Senate has um, say over that. He will certainly block any kind of major piece of progressive uh, legislation, whether that's on climate or, you know, labor rights or healthcare, immigration, gun safety, any of these kind of issues. And uh, let's take a look at the House. The Democrats they were, were bullish. They thought they would get 10, maybe 15 seats to expand their majority. Well, they actually have lost seats, and they're going to have a smaller majority. Go down the ballot. Look at state legislative chambers. This was a huge – this is what Democrats thought. They were going to take over all of these – uh, chambers so that they can do redistricting, right? And um, because the census is happening now, uh, they'll be able to kind of stop some of the Republican efforts to gerrymander these seats. Well, they failed to flip control of any of the state legislative chambers. Um, they actually lost control in New Hampshire uh, uh, and the Alaska State House. So 
you know, the GOP has uh, actually broadened their control over these levers of our democracy to help secure control. And that's going to, it's going to last a long time, the impacts of this. And the reason I bring up all these things is because we do have to be sober and we do have to have a reckoning because the Democratic Party was saying uh, from the top on down, this is going to be a wave election. We're going to, you know, Joe Biden's going to have this massive popular vote victory and that's going to lift up all these candidates up and down the ballot. Well, coattails didn't happen because there was plenty of ticket splitting this time around. That's why you saw Susan Collins uh, win in Maine, even though Joe Biden won uh, as well. Uh, Democrats, I think, just did not offer a full principled uh, endorsement of a different kind of life than people have been living under Donald Trump. They certainly offered uh, something different from Trump, but it was not, you know, anything based on bettering their lives necessarily. It was just, we're going to get along, you know, we're going to have a better government. And it just speaks to this outreach that was the um, obsession, I'd say, of the um, Democratic elite to reach across the aisle, try to bring over Republicans. Well, what did we see? We saw, you know, tens of millions of dollars flow into the Lincoln Project, this absurd uh you know, Republican-led effort to supposedly peel off Republicans to support Joe Biden instead of Trump. Well, Trump actually increased his share of registered Republican support this year versus last year. So that was a failure. And what did we saw at the DNC? We saw John Kasich. We saw, you know, Biden was embracing Rick Snyder, the person who poisoned the water in Flint. So the reason I bring all this up is because the strategy that the Democrats engaged in uh, I think is very different from that of which was being pushed by myself and many of my fellow, uh, you know, more left-wing um, advocates over the course of the campaign, which was to take on a more Bernie Sanders-like program. Say, we're going to um, expand healthcare to everyone. We're going to, you know, look at COVID response. I mean, that's one of the most effective things that dem- the, the opportunities that Biden had was to put forward a very different um type of strategy when it comes to dealing with the COVID crisis. Well, you remember that um, debate that Mike Pence and Kamala Harris had, and that's one area where she was kind of stumped, where she laid out her, her the, the Biden-Harris platform on COVID, and it was basically the same it was as what Trump did, and that's what, you know, Pence called him out for. He, he said that, you know, you want to, you're just stealing our plan, basically. Well, that was insincere, but it's not like Kamala Harris or Joe Biden were saying we're going to you know, push for monthly stimulus checks or we're going to make sure we keep people on their payrolls, as you know, happened with uh, with airline workers. Or we're going to, you know, put an actual long term eviction moratorium in place or, you know, it goes on and on and on. There's plenty of opportunities for the Democrats to separate themselves from how they were being painted from the Republicans. And instead, they just focused on being an alternative to Trump. And clearly that was not enough um, to actually have any coattails down the ballot, even if Biden wins uh, this race. And I think that is a cause for some extreme introspection from the uh, Democratic Party. Yeah, introspection is never what we get with the Democratic Party. Uh, The Democratic Party has basically been run by people dedicated to the exact strategy that you just outlined that Biden and Kamala Harris followed. The exact strategy that Bill Clinton devised, which was successful only because Ross Perot was running a third party race and they took that as a blueprint and that uh, Barack Obama, who was just an inspirational character, 
you know, uh, followed as well. And I'm starting to come to this conclusion, uh, Miles, which is a pretty obvious conclusion, but that the notion that character matters in an election, that was the Lincoln Project's theme, that Donald Trump is a despicable human being with a bad character and America would save itself I heard that Steve Schmidt saying this, America will come, will save itself. We can expect America to come to its own rescue. Every time you bet against America, America proves you're wrong. Well, I got news for you. You pointed it out. When it comes to the issue of Donald Trump's character, I think it's pretty obvious that a lot of people in America love it and want more of it. And he got more votes, I think, uh, from re- Republican enclaves this time around than he got in 2016. And the only reason he's going to, I think he will lose unless the Supremes uh, flip it, just give, you know, steal it from, I, I do believe uh, Biden will prevail. But the reason Biden will have prevailed is because Democratic voters, black voters in Detroit and Milwaukee and Philadelphia turned out in greater numbers this time than they did in 2016. And so this talk about character, open window, throw it out. Uh, so yeah, I don't know where the democratic party goes from uh, at this point, Miles. Well, and not only did the Trump increase his share of Republican uh, support this election, um, which flies in the face of the whole premise of the Lincoln Project and all these never-Trumpers. Uh, but he also had a historic high in terms of votes for a Republican from non-white Americans. He increased his share of both the Latino and the black vote. And I think it speaks to the failure of the Democrats to offer, again, a real alternative and do outreach into those um, communities. The areas you brought up uh, are were critical. And uh, to, to Biden being able to win Michigan, uh, I would add Minnesota to that uh, list. That was because of the hard work of people like, um, and you know, they'll try to discount that. That you, there's already there's Democratic conference calls happening today where there's reports that they're all screaming about, oh, it's the socialist fault that you know the Democrats are in this uh, position. Well, Rashida Tlaib. Uh, an outspoken democratic socialist who she ran uh, worked nonstop tirelessly across Detroit, across her district to, um, to do turnout, including door knocking campaigns, which the Biden campaign didn't do. You know, Trump's campaign was knocking on millions of doors. Biden didn't even start a campus operation until right before the election. And so all these other groups filled that vacuum, um, and provided a left wing groups, groups that largely supported Bernie Sanders previously. They're the ones that delivered states like Michigan, um, and Wisconsin, and uh, Minnesota to Donald to, to to Joe Biden, they won't get the you know uh, regard they deserve for that. But that's that's what made that happen. It was not this broader narrative that the establishment tried to put out of orange man bad. You know that's just what they kept on uh, turning to time and time again, rather than doing this target more targeted outreach, saying we're going to make your life better. You know and these are this is this is some of the suite of policies we're going to push for as Democrats in power. I mean, that's what this whole deep canvassing 
uh, operation that was pushed by groups like, like People's Action and all their affiliates across the country, they were engaging in. They weren't just making it a character study. They were saying, look, politics is a game of persuasion, and we need to persuade people that their lives are going to be better under a Democratic presidency than they have been uh, under Donald Trump. And that is a lesson that I don't think that the establishment has learned. It doesn't seem like they're learning it now because they're saying that the socialists are the problem. And I will say, not only did the squad all win in um, pretty remarkable numbers, that's, you know, AOC, Presley, Alana Warren, Rashida Tlaib, they doubled their numbers because we had Marie Newman here win. Uh, we had Mondaire Jones and Jamal Bowman win house seats in New York um, and Cory Bush in, in Missouri. And along with that, a group like the Democratic Socialists of America, they endorsed um, about 30 candidates, and I think 26 of them won across the country. It's pretty good. That's way better than the you know DCCC's numbers. Um, and a lot of those wins were because they fought in primary races and, and won uh, in, over the past year. So I think just blaming the left is, of course, what we can expect that you know the, the deep-seated establishment to do, but it just totally misses the mark when you try to have a real analysis of what actually happened this election. All right, we'll get to uh, uh, the fair tax in a little bit because it directly links uh, to something you said, but I just have to uh, take a, a slight issue with you. Um, yes, democratic socialists were victorious, but they were victorious in, in predominantly democratic uh, enclaves. Uh, the challenge for the democratic socialists and people like myself is to win on an economic platform uh, in a district that's not blue in a district that went for Trump. So for instance, I'm thinking of the 16th congressional district here uh, in Illinois, uh, where Danny B uh, lost to Adam Kinzinger and uh, Sarah Dady lost uh, to Kinzinger in 2018. And they were both good candidates. I've had them on my show. I interviewed them. Uh, They're outstanding character, people of outstanding character. But that's the challenge, in my humble opinion. If if the democratic socialists are to to broaden their appeal, they have to move out from their own bubble. You, you get what I'm saying? So it's not just good enough that, uh, let's say our good friend Carlos Ramirez Rosa lit, uh, wins the 35th ward. Can he win the 39th ward here in Chicago, which is a, an example of, of what I'm talking about. Can you move beyond the bubble? Because red baiting miles, it's so distressing to me, but red baiting here in 2020, Communism, the Soviet Union's dead, has been dead since 1989. Trump is allies with Putin, who was a former KGB operative in the Soviet Union. Nonetheless, they red baited the hell out of Biden in Florida. And the and the numbers show that that Cuban American vote that went strong for Trump really tied in with the white vote uh, to undercut Joe Biden. Red baiting works. Do you think that the Democratic Party, the Democratic Socialists, can conquer red baiting in this country? Well, I think that you, they called Obama a socialist, too, in 2008 and 2012, and he won with much higher numbers than uh, than Joe Biden's going to end up with. So I, I don't think that it's purely that we, we can, you know, turn it all on that charge, because that charge, as you rightly point out, has been made for many, many years in American politics and will continue to be made for many years. And the question of how they're going to overcome that, I think that's like the that uh, what Democratic Socialists actually stand for is things like 
a $15 minimum wage, which, as you said, Florida voters overwhelmingly supported. That was actually in Joe Biden's platform. You know, like he he says he supports a $15 wage, but he didn't run on it, really. Right. You didn't hear that on his in his campaign speeches. You heard we're going to win back the soul of a nation. I think that the way you, you know, win over support is through um, providing people uh, actual model to, uh, of how you're going to improve their material conditions in life. And in terms of Latinos, you're right about Cuban Americans. I think that's going to be a, a problem, you know, because of uh, in Miami Dade, because of the legacy of, uh, you know, what that population is, where they came from, the history of Batista and Castro and everything. But that doesn't speak to the whole of Latino support across the country. I mean, Latinos were a big part of how Biden was able to pull off wins in all of these various states we talked about before. But just look, let's look at Nevada. You know, in Nevada, in the primary, Bernie Sanders cleaned up by running on uh, as a Democratic socialist on uh, on an agenda. And he won by like 25 or 30 points. Um, I understand that was a Democratic primary, but I think it's just it's dangerous. If we just say, oh, it, you know, red baiting, it's always going to work. So we need to run from being red when they're going to they're going to put that regardless if we if you run Claire McCaskill they're going to call her so <laughs> you're you right. and, and Claire McCaskill already lost by running yeah. so like <laughs> I need to reframe a little bit and not yeah. be so scared because this timidity on the part of the Democratic Party of, of leaning into uh, the left is part of the problem. Look, can I give one more example? Look, look what happened in Michigan. The reason, one of the key reasons Joe Biden won Michigan when Hillary Clinton lost it is because he uh, improved his standing among union households. He won by about 15 points among union households. Can you? And that's because of a lot of outreach done by unions and progressive groups that allied with these unions to, to turn out uh, turn out members. I think it also has to do probably with the his, Obama administration's history of saving the audio industry in Detroit. Um, but it goes to show, can you imagine if the Democrats made a priority on their agenda of day one of passing the PRO Act, which would um, repeal... Of right to work laws across this country that yeah. would uh, bring in universal card check that would stop uh, employer interference in union elections that would you know massively increase the amount of union membership in this country and show current union members that democrats actually stand on the side of working people if you want to win back the midwest if you want to you know increase your chances those are the kind of things to run on you'll be called a socialist for doing it but I think that that's a better pathway than trying to do the Lincoln Project way that just clearly, I think, Tuesday show does not work. No. Yeah, I, uh, as much as I enjoyed the Lincoln Project commercials, I was already going to vote against Donald Trump anyway. Uh, by the way, that's a whole other st story. The interview I heard uh, with uh, Stephen, what's his last, Schultz uh, Schmidt, who's uh, one of the leaders of the Lincoln Project, it's a, their commercials were actually intended to get inside of Donald Trump's brain and mess with him, which is a whole interesting conversation for another time, what they're up to. Uh, but all right, I'm going to tie this all to the fair tax, because you're making a lot of sense. You're, I, and I, I agree with you. Uh, Claire McCaskill would have been painted as a, a under the control of the socialists. If they don't either call you a socialist or they say you're under the control, you're he's just remember that Biden's this helpless old man who will be uh, controlled by AOC. Uh, that was their appeal. So yes, you're absolutely correct. Uh, I think what you're saying in so many words is that voters need to be convinced that there will be some fundamental change that will work in their favor if they vote for the Democrat that they will actually get something 
for voting for the Democrat. And that goes back to the fair tax. Miles, I, you heard me already before we went on the air, like my frustration over how the fair tax, and just calling it the fair tax is a defeat. Just my frustration about how uh, that whole effort was choreographed just seems everything, it undercut its potential, and which is potential is I'm giving money to Miles. I'm giving money to Dennis. I'm giving money to Ben. I'm giving you something and making somebody else pay for it. Nah, man, they, the Democrats, they dropped that ball. I, I agree completely. I think that a lot of it has to do with framing, right? And, and we talked about that before. There's plenty, there's so many factors in, in the fair tax uh, failure that we could go through. I think it was another failure on the part of the Democratic establishment in this context, the state Democratic Party in Illinois, who ran, you know, did not make it central whatsoever to uh, messaging. I'm, in, in my uh, estimation, it should have been priority number one for the Democratic establishment to get this passed if we were going to resist the kind of austerity measures that are likely coming now because of um, its failure. But yeah, why'd you call it a fair tax? Like, it, it, that's the thing. Many of us who were on the phones talked to people and they said the flat tax is fair because that's everybody taxed at the same rate. And it's like, yeah, well, that's kind of true, but this is a different idea of fairness. You know, we want to like have the wealthier pay their fair share, which is more fair. But in my view, like all wealth is socially created, right? And so we should actually tax that wealth to benefit the whole of society. And that is different from making an argument about fairness. It's about making an argument about taxing the rich, which is across the board, one of the most popular proposals in American political life. Um, and yet it wasn't framed that way by the Democrats. It was framed as you're going to get a tax cut, but these 3% are going to pay a little bit more, but it's also, and you know, you read the wording of the, of the um, actual amendment on the ballot, which was confusing to a lot of people. Of course, there was this massive opposition campaign that was funded again by billionaires. Um, but they were able to kind of successfully tie this to Mike Madigan again and say, look, this is about Springfield politicians and we don't trust them. And that's all obviously all code for Madigan, who is pretty explicitly corrupt, or at least he has, you know, uh, serious allegations of corruption. And so it's not uh, absurd for voters to then look at that and say, uh, I don't I don't necessarily trust it. How would this have gone if it was framed as a tax the rich amendment? You know, I think it. W I think we would have fared a whole lot better. It certainly would have made the lives of the people that were doing the outreach for it a lot easier, um, because the the groups that were doing a lot of this, um, the turnout calls and the persuasion calls around uh, fair tax were these left wing progressive groups in the state because again they filled in this vacuum left by the Democratic establishment that didn't put. Um, their energy into this fight. I mean, J.B. Pritzker has a bully pulpit. I've been supportive of a lot of the things he's done as governor, but this would have been like his keystone achievement in his first term, and he was pretty absent on this fight. I mean, he donated a lot of money to make a lot of ads, but he didn't use his uh, position, I would say, and you could say it's because of COVID, pandemic, and you know a lot of other issues coming up, but this was a real critical issue, uh, issue that uh, Democrats dropped the ball on. Oh, did they ever? And I, and I got to say this. It wasn't just J.B. Pritzker. It was across the board. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, nowhere to be found. 
on fair tax. Michael Joseph Madigan, nowhere to be found on fair tax. So many aldermen in the city of Chicago. Uh, Well, the, the lefty aldermen were there. Carlos, you know, the lefty aldermen were there and the lefty reps too. Well, Gazzardi, Robert Peters, we should give some, you know, shout outs to the people that were actually leading, helping Delia Ramirez, help, helping to lead this fight. But yeah. it was the lefties, you know, it was yeah, the lefties. And, didn't lift a finger, it seems. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, yeah. So, uh, it, it, <laughs> I feel, again, it illustrates the larger point that you've been making, uh, that the Democratic Party itself is schizophrenic. Its message isn't uh, united. And the Republicans have an advantage in this. It's Trump. That's their message. And the Republicans, if you want to get elected, you just join the Trump train and it'll probably pull you to victory in a uh, Republican district. And it may may get you in a uh in a, in a sort of a, a purple district like we're seeing lauren underwood really fighting for re-election uh against uh oberweiss but that's that's what they, they at least have a message you know the message i think is abhorrent but that's their message democrats wh- what's your message well we're sort of for fairness, but we don't really want to stick our neck out for it. And we don't want to offend uh, rich donors that like us. So we're going to be kind of quiet on this thing. And we'll let uh, Amisha Patel make some phone calls, you know, and Robert Peters. And yeah, I'm like, well, what are you? What a united party. <laughs> Well, and there's a whole, I mean, you're right to, I think, say that that, that is not enough. Clearly, the, just the support of progressive groups was not enough to, to pull this over the finish line. That said, like, I saw spreads of 70-30 in Chicago, pro-fair tax, uh, number, initial numbers I saw. It's pretty good. I mean, and that goes to show that, and that's where a lot of these groups have their, um, their members and, you know, have more uh, kind of, of a foundation that needs to be moved downstate, but that's, that should be what the democratic party is doing, you know, and they should be the ones that are, are helping to lead that effort in other parts of the state, because, um, it's not going to, when you abandon that, it's not going to, they're not going to magically appear. And I think a lot of people were understandably, um, really shocked by the outcome because the last poll that they saw was from the spring and it showed something like 65%. So people thought, Oh, it's, this is, of course people want to tax the rich. Well, if we were making calls like many of us were doing. You'd know that these negative ads really cut through and they um, had an impact and the, the pro fair tax ads didn't say we're going to tax the rich. They should have. That's what it should be saying everywhere. I would, if I had to, you know, do the messaging campaign around it. And instead they did this kind of more triangulating approach of trying to focus on fairness and give people multi messages. Well, the Republicans had a very clear uh, message or at least the opponents of the fair tax. And that was, they're going to, they're, this is going to be a tax hike on you. That's what fair tax really means. Well, if you tax the rich, it's well, most people don't think of themselves as rich. So I think it would be a lot harder to confuse people into thinking it was going to raise um, raise taxes on yeah. them. But 
you know, it, we can litigate this forever. I think we're pretty aligned on. on yeah, how- no, we're we're it's it's a really tough one. And by the way, get I was when you were talking about how the polls in May showed one thing as opposed to what the ultimate poll showed in in uh, November. Let me, you know this as well. The 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 polls, the surveys that were taken in May were before uh, Kenny G kicked in fifty million or whatever to run the Phyllis ad and all the other ads yeah. uh, that were very effective in turning people against uh, the fair tax. And so I always like to point out as a fan of basketball, you'll appreciate this. It's one thing to go to a gym by yourself and just start shooting shots and you hit like 23s in a row, like Barack Obama hit a three the other day. He was very proud of it. It's another thing to hit that three when someone's got their hand in your face. You get what I'm saying? So it's one thing to play the game when you're just alone. And (laughs) that's another thing when you're competing against someone. So yeah, it's. I, I don't want to minimize the challenges that Democrats uh, face Miles by saying, oh, if they only listened to Ben and Miles, it would have passed. Because it's an uphill battle, and $50 million is a lot of money, and you're asking people to tax. But we're going down. Now I'm going to raise the Michael Madigan question with you. We've been talking about this already. Part of the reason the Democrats, they would tell me this off the record, Part of the reason Democratic politicians did not stick their neck out, Miles, follow me on this, is they felt that they were so negatively viewed by the voters that if they came out strong for the fair tax, it would actually hurt it. Now, I'm like, wow, that's a problem right there. The thing you supposedly believe in most, fairness and equity, would lose if you, who got elected, you must, you're popular enough to get elected, you know, you're, <laughs> it would lose, it, you would undermine it. You're the leader. And it goes right to Madden. You know, anytime the Republicans wanted to win in this cycle without Bruce Rauner around, Madigan's the big villain in the state, and they just threw him out. I mean, they put him out there. They tied him to all the different candidates. Betsy Durson Londrigan running uh, as a congressional candidate. No connection to Madigan. Tied her to him. She lost by even more this time around. Kilbride, a judge, tied Madigan to Kilbride. He loses. He doesn't get retained. Miles, you're a lefty. I know you have no strong affiliations to Michael Joseph Madigan. Do you think it's time that he just walk away from his chairmanship of the Democratic Party or his House speakership so that the Democrats can try to figure out where to go from here? Go. Yes, it's time to it's time for a change. I think if anything, this you know, there's always talk of soul searching after these elections where the results don't go your party's way. Joe Biden, we knew was going to win Illinois. Should not be bragging about that. I still have faith that um, that that Underwood might pull it out against Ice Cream Jim, but we'll 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 see how that goes. (laughs) Uh, but still, it's it, look. Bustos barely uh, pulled it up. This did Illinois. It, things did not go Illinois Democrats' way. The fair tax went down in flames. It's time to not just full search, but take action. Right? If you won't, if you don't want to repeat the future, you got to change the conditions. And that I think in this case clearly means taking out Mike Madigan as. Um, uh, factor in these elections, whether it's, you know, being tied to other candidates or whether it's his actual failure to produce the result that he should be. He's the head of the Illinois Democratic Party. These failures um, are, uh, you know, rest at his feet and he's got to take uh, responsibility for that. In other countries, look, in other countries, when your party has 
a big defeat, you have a leadership change. You have, it's not just like, oh, we're going to have a reckoning. We're going to have some phone calls. We're going to have some phone meetings about this. It's we're going to actually change who is in charge and making the decisions so that we don't have the same outcome next time. I think that's we need a lot more of that. That's, to me, a more democratic uh, uh, way of dealing with uh, election results than what the Democratic Party traditionally does. But mm-hmm. getting Mike Madigan out, I think, would benefit the Democrats. Um, I know they might be scared of what if the next runner comes, or as you pointed out, like Blago's going to run as a Republican. I don't know. If, is, is that even legal? I thought part of his. I think it's seven- illegal. Yeah. He shout out to Frank on the live stream chat. Yeah, he I said it's, it's illegal. illegal. Wait, time out. Part of his what did you say? Part of his what? His sentence said is he couldn't do it again. That's what I thought, was, I thought that was actually part of his sentence, is that he can never run for any kind of public office. I, mean, I could be wrong on that. But I well, I think that. it is part of his sentence. He can go to court and get that struck, uh, knocked down. Maybe Brett Kavanaugh will help him on that. That's, Look, that's anything's possible. This is th- th- Your reaction is classic. I, I'm... The notion of Blago running as a Republican, I'm really encouraging because on one hand, it just exposes the utter hypocrisy of the Republican Party. But here's something else. This is a factor. People go, Ben, it's illegal. Guys, we're in the age of Trump. Trump does what he wants and then makes you sue him. And then he he appoints the judges who rule in his favor. So you got to forget the notion that, well, Ben, it's against the rules. Trump has broken all the rules. Miles, and here's the other thing. I think it's time Democrats realize a lot of people like rule breakers in this country. That's part of Donald Trump's appeal. He breaks the rules. He breaks the protocol. He doesn't play the game. Everybody's saying wear a mask. He says, no, don't wear a mask. I'm going to have a rally. I'm going to invite everybody who wants to come in. They're all going to get sick. Yeah, maybe 2% of you will die, but the others will live. And 48% of people for him. The guy's accused of rape. A really strong chance, Miles, that he will face the consequences for that rape. And I bet you he got more support from white women this time around than he got in 20. I'll bet you. I haven't seen the results yet, but I just got that feeling based on what you told me about the results from Republican areas. I got to fit. So, you know, people kind of like rule breakers. So I wouldn't put too much stock on the the rule right now that Blago can't run. You get what I'm saying? Well, there's a will, there's a way. Go ahead. I hear you completely. I think that, and, and getting back to, you know, uh, what I started the segment talking about is all of the institutional structural barriers that Democrats now have to implement any kind of a agenda that would, uh, you know, fall in line with what they've been running on. And some of that is just because of a failure. I think they clearly should have made a a deal for stimulus, uh, for example, before the election. Instead, they bet on winning a big majority in the Senate so they could do something in January under Biden. Well, that's out the door now. Um, So, for example, but all this speaks to these are rules that were man-made and can be changed also by you know people in office there are structural um, barriers to uh, implementing change but there's also um ways to get around that or just to disregard them right and so i think democrats really need to learn if they want to because otherwise i'm looking at you know maps and going forward the next chance for the democrats to retake a majority in the senate after this is most likely 2028 that's going to be long after you know joe biden is in office um, we need uh, 
changed before then from how our politics have been. You remember the last two years of the Obama administration, just pure deadlock, nothing happened. Even under Trump, besides the tax bill, there's no big you know, legislative achievements. Um, we can't just do that for at least the first two years of a Biden administration, probably more. They need to figure out a way to get around some of these uh, structural rules and, or just disregard them and, uh, and work to fulfill some of their agenda points whether that's on climate or raising the minimum wage or, you know, you can go on and on. Otherwise, it's just going to be a stillborn administration and that's not going to help Democrats uh, in the future. So I think that your point is very well taken that, you know, people like rule breakers and sometimes breaking the rules is the only way to get anything done. Yeah, and uh, and also stand for something. The part of the Claire McCaskill quote, and uh, Frank, thanks for sending it because it, it just really has uh, provoked a lot of thought on my part. Uh, Miles, the part, it's like when she put uh, transsexuals in quotes, like it's not real. I think, look, Democrats, I think people will appreciate your stand if you take a stand. So if you stand for something, as opposed to being wishy-washy and selling things out. So like, if you're gonna stand, it's a, it's a virtue, gay rights. You know, I, I, I recognize you as a human being just like me, no discrimination for you. You wanna get married, God bless you. That's a, a positive, proactive stand that you freaking believe in. If you're gonna just throw away what you supposedly believe in when the first crosswind comes your way, then you stand for nothing. You're just wishy-washy, you know, and so, just the notion like, oh, I'm going to run away from uh, gay rights because, you know, it doesn't pull well in uh, MAGA land. I don't know, Miles. It's like, why even be a Democrat? And that's wasn't that the question that Elizabeth Warren asked in the debate? It was a very good question. You know, why are you even a Democrat? You know, if you're just going to not going to stand for uh, Healthcare. So I, 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 I hear you loud and clear. And this gets to another thing. You pointed this out. Legal drugs. <laughs> it's popular. Democrats. It's about time you took a stand for legalizing reefer on the federal level, at least. It's about time to do that. Right, Miles? And, and guess what? We, we actually had uh, uh, somebody running for the Democratic primary, <laughs> Bernie Sanders, who <laughs> ran on legalizing weed uh the establishment didn't like uh, didn't like that and didn't like him obviously and 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 joe biden uh refused to back back that such a measure well look in arizona montana south dakota new jersey what do they do they legalized marijuana recreational marijuana the mississippi and in south dakota they legalized medical marijuana finally mississippi and south dakota in oregon they just decriminalized all drugs uh not just uh uh not not just weed cocaine uh, and they legalized the use of uh, mushrooms. They legalized psilocybin. So these things are very, very popular. And I think we can say with some assurity, there's very, you know, few key lessons. I tried to, you know, talk about some of them earlier for, to take from this election. But I think one key one is that people like legalizing drugs. And if you want to 
get people's support. It doesn't have to even be a partisan thing. You just say, look, we, it's about freedom. It's about liberty. Yes. You should have the right. And the war on drugs clearly is a failure. You got Republicans running ads against, I mean, this is what Trump ran is he ran ads attacking Biden for the crime bill because of yeah. how, uh, you know, increased drug crime sentences. It's, if you want, if you want to reach people right now, get out of this mindset of we got to be super careful and talking about um, drugs as this dangerous third rail social issue. It's we're, we're past that now. And I think it'll really benefit uh, Democrats in the future to run on a pretty comprehensive platform of, uh, of legal, and just a straightforward platform of we're going to, you know, at least legalize uh, marijuana. And it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out uh, going forward, because I think the success, especially in some of these states like Mississippi, is going to make this put a lot of pressure to uh, to make this more of a national. Oh, I got news for you. I'm going to say this. I think it's a greater likelihood that I'm going to wait for the brown. This is such a big statement I'm about to make. Miles, I got to wait for the brown line to pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Bernie's on that brown line. Hey, Bernie. I think there's a greater likelihood that we would wake up one day in the presidency of MAGA man himself to hear him declare, you know what? I think it's time we legalize reefer. That if Joe Biden were to make that declaration, because Donald Trump doesn't care. It's like Joe Biden is still trying to pretend that he's, you know, Dudley do right and uh, doing the right thing. And I don't know. There's a lot of concern about marijuana these days. Maybe a lot of stories about it. I'm not quite sure. Uh, maybe decriminalize it. Okay. But, uh, and Donald Trump, like, he doesn't care. He go, hmm, they voted for it in Mississippi. MAGA loves reefer. I'm for it. Let's do it. Let's do it now. Miles, I would believe Donald Trump would do that before Joe Biden. What do you think? Probably, but I, I don't think we're going to see that because I don't think we're going to see another four years of, uh, of Trump, and I doubt his lame duck is going to be uh, filled with criminalizing <laughs> marijuana. But again, we'll see the results are not all in. Also, I got to just give a shout out. I think that was that a Rocky and Bowinkle uh, <laughs> reference? Wait. Wait. I don't even know. I just. Yes, I think I think it is. I just have this image of Dudley Do Right, and that's always these Democratic politicians always trying to be Dudley Do Right. I'm doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And then Donald Trump just does whatever he wants. You know what I'm saying? It's only rallies in the middle of a COVID. Oh God, it's a nightmare, Miles. It's a freaking nightmare. All right, let's get a couple predictions before we let you go. Number one. Uh, your thoughts on how this election uh, will uh, end <laughs> uh, when all the voting is is counted, etc. Who do you think is going to be victorious? Well, I'm president. I, I do think that at this point, it's really hard to imagine a um, a Trump comeback. That said, you know we've seen some crazy stuff before, so I'm not uh, you know writing up my uh, Joe Biden wins uh, stories quite yet, um, but it's also the, it's a very it's narrow pathway for Trump at this point. I think he would have to win basically every state that's left. Um, I think Fox News is in an interesting position because they called Arizona for Trump yeah. uh, nights ago, caused his campaign to freak out. You know, oh, yeah. report Trump himself from calling Murdoch and 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 flipping out about it. Um, 
it's getting closer there. So if they have to reverse, are they going to reverse that call? Because if not, once we get these Nevada votes in, it looks like they're now, they were supposed to be out this afternoon. Now they're saying uh, tomorrow morning from Clark County, um, that would put Joe Biden over to, or at 270. And so Fox News would have to call the race for Joe Biden. Then yeah. I, I can't see them being the first network to, to do that. So we're, we're going to have to see what, that's a great they point. Do that. That's a great Trump point. Trump would freak out because yeah. they're they're coming out, and I, you know I've been I'm very worried about what is going to happen just based on all of the provocations that the um, Trump administration has made to help to incite some unrest and fervor over this uh, over this result. I mean, just today they started this stop the steal. Uh, Facebook group. This is what they're now calling themselves. Stop the steal. Even though, as we you pointed out, the, the Trump supporters are both trying to stop the vote and count the votes at the same time. <laughs> same time, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, strategy that they're they're running right now. Well, within 24 hours, they had over 350,000 sign up. Uh, for this uh, of members in the Stop the Steal Facebook group that they did end up shutting down, but now there's all these other groups that are that are, that are sprouting up. So I mean that's all just online, but we've already seen them come out with with uh, with armed to these places of the they're counting votes, including in Maricopa County, Arizona, um, and they're being egged on by not just Trump himself, but Corey Lewandowski, Rudy Giuliani, all of these people. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially if Fox is the first network to call it for Biden, what happens then between, you know, between the editorial and the news side at that network and Trump supporters and Fox News. Maybe that's like a entree for to start his own personal media empire uh, after this whole thing wraps up. We'll we'll see. Um, but I think that ultimately, I don't know what will happen with Pennsylvania. My My feeling is Arizona and Nevada will. Um, we'll, we'll go Biden and that'll be uh, enough to put him over the top. The Senate, it's going to come down. It looks like now to Georgia. And my advice to Democrats is don't just send money. You sent money to look, you sent a hundred million dollars to Jamie Harrison in South Carolina, the most expensive Senate race in history. He lost by double digits to, to Lindsey Graham. It, it, it was it's very similar with Gideon in, um, in Maine and some of these other, uh, uh, reach states for Democrats, they spent massive amounts of money and it didn't change the results. So I'd say get on a bus, go to Georgia before January and try to, um, get, get people to, to, to back one of these, both of these Democrats so that they can take a majority in the Senate, because that's going to be critical to actually doing anything in the next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll close on uh, that point before we, before we close anything you want to promote from in these times. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're doing coverage. It's kind of weird being in this liminal space where we don't, don't totally know, but we've done a bunch of coverage around the, um, uh, various uh, protest efforts to protect the vote. Um, there was a big rally in Oakland yesterday. Unions are obviously agitating. There was, you know, tons of people out in Chicago last night. So we've been covering some of that. Um, and then whoever wins this race, once we know, will assuredly have plenty of responses to um, to 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 that result. I'm also writing a little something on the fair tax that'll be out uh, a little uh, debrief mo- post mortem that'll be out at Jacobin um, sometime in the in the next few days. So 
look out for that. Um, you can follow my little quips about the election at, on Twitter at, at Miles K. Lassen, uh, if, if, if you so desire. Um, yeah, and this has been a you know rough and tumble time for people that are sick of Trump and Trumpism. Uh, there's a lot of challenges that are ahead that I talked about earlier, but I think that if if the election goes the way it looks like it's going to go, that will be a, a, a at very least a massive relief and provide some more opportunities to progressives and the left that have not been seen uh, in the past four years. So we should at least feel pretty good about that. Very good. All right, Miles, uh, stay safe. We'll be talking to you real soon, all right? All right. Thanks. All right. That's a great Miles Conflassen, the pride and joy of Whitney Young High School. Indeed, and pay the little word. Miles, Miles, <laughs> Miles. All right. Oh, wait. Let me look outside here. There's someone outside. Okay. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, my God. Ben, there's a dolphin out there. <laughs> Holy cow. Uh, man, Miles knows his stuff. Passionate, uh, passionate writer, lefty, and uh, he made a lot of talked a lot of sense. D uh, Democrats, it's a moment of reckoning for the Democratic Party, even as they eke out this win and hope that the Supremes don't then take the win and give it to Donnie. Oh, we like you, Donnie. You put us in the court. Here you go. All right, All right but, D, what do you got? Yeah, we have some updates here. Uh, first off, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman. The headline reads, Lightfoot throws lifeline to bars and restaurants. Uh, it says here, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has said she's so concerned about losing restaurants that are the lifeblood of Chicago neighborhoods, she ordered her finance team to scour her pandemic budget again to find the money to provide restaurants with additional financial and regulatory relief. Uh, let's see here. She's using $10 million from the first round of federal stimulus funds to provide $10,000 in grants to independent bars and restaurants fighting for survival after being forced to stop serving indoor patrons for the second time. Under pressure from Chicago Alderman, Lightfoot also plans to introduce an ordinance temporarily capping the fees that third-party delivery services can charge restaurants. In yet another lifeline, the mayor is launching a, quote, takeout Chicago contest to encourage Chicagoans to support their favorite restaurants. Winners get VIP tours of Chicago's cultural institutions. So what do you think about that, Ben? No, I think uh, it's a really smart idea to support uh, restaurants, try to keep them afloat uh, while they're being shut down during COVID because they are just an essential part of Chicago's economy, just our essential point, a uh, part of Chicago's culture, what, make this, what makes the city Chicago. Uh, so I, I applaud it. And uh, I always bring it back to the larger point. At this moment, it's going to take the government, which is the collection of forces that represents all of us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, coming together to provide the aid that people need. And we haven't seen that happen, D. I can't remember when the last stimulus bill was passed. This is what uh, Miles was talking about. Everybody just abandoned it until after the election. Well, no. hey guys, the election's over, right? We still haven't figured out who the ultimate winner will be. Uh, but the virus hasn't gone anywhere, you know? The businesses are still struggling. Everybody is freaking out. And uh, so, yes. I, I wish I heard uh, Lori Lightfoot, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, uh, join the chorus uh, regarding the, the fair tax. 
She was kind of quiet on that one, D. Because the reality is, is that it's going to take aid from Springfield and uh, the federal government to keep Chicago going during these tough times. She knows that. And uh, so uh, I think ultimately... Uh, I would have liked to have see her champion that tax. So it's a little, you can see it's like I'm a little um, bittersweet when I hear her talking about helping out the restaurants. All right. And uh, before we go here, uh, Doogie on the live stream chat, he's been weighing in. He uh, sent us a voicemail earlier this week. We played half of it. He's been on the live stream chat going, hey, come on, play the other half, man. I said that, yeah, all that stuff about Bernie, but there's more. So, uh, you know, let's go ahead and play the other half here so you can hear it ben uh we are about a minute in so we're going to finish that out and you weigh in with uh give everybody a recap of what doogie's voicemail was about if you could real well, quick doogie's first the the first message which really got me going <laughs> i'd like so i like playing it fired me up was that the democratic party was taking him for granted and other bernie supporters for granted they did take us for granted they took all of us for granted. Dean knows that better than anybody. He was a hardcore Bernie. Uh, well, I won't call you a Bernie bro because I was told not to do that. Yeah, knock you, it off. You didn't tell me not to do it, but other people told me not to do it. And term. I'm a little upset that Bernie just kind of rolled over after uh, he lost the primary. A little upset with that. Yeah, I wish Miles were here to defend Bernie right now, but uh, I'm not bashing Bernie. Bernie took the long, his whole life is committed. I'm going to defend Bernie right now. He's like okay. my Democratic friends. Like, dude, those are the people that are trashing you right now, Bernie. Please stop yeah. it. All right, I'm, you know what? I'll let you get that point off. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to rush to that knee-jerk feeling I have to defend Bernie at all times. So I'll just say this, $27. Oh, 10% but, or 10%. But anyway, back to uh, Doogie. So that was his comment. He was basically taking it for granted. And um, I, yeah, I feel you, man. They just like expect you to line up and vote for whoever they put out there. Shut up. Don't embarrass us. Don't breathe loud <laughs> in a crowded elevator. That's embarrassing. Okay. Just shut up. Just vote. Be quiet. All right, All right. Let's, uh, let's hear the uh, rest of the, e uh, the voicemail from Doogie. Apparently, there's more here, and mm -hmm. I don't want to do Doogie wrong. All right, so here we go. A couple, couple days ago, one of the people I follow, they uh, posted a meme, and it said, if you live in a blue state and you do not vote for Joe Biden, you're asking the other people to do the work for you. And he made a little quote on that and says, I feel watched. And I did too. And yesterday, as I'm driving down the road and listening to the radio and trying to figure out everything, I actually did have an epiphany. And I just really want to go back to normal, even though I do want other things to change progressively to the extreme. So I actually, as much as I really can't stand it, I cannot take a chance, and I will vote for Joe and Harris, even though I can't stand either of them, and have a lot of issues. Just as like, I didn't want the Chicago mayor because she's a cop, and now we see that she ran on a progressive platform, and I was doing a lot of things that she really didn't say didn't, didn't hold up a lot of her promises. Anyway, so this is where I'm at, and it's really tough, but we can't take a chance at this point. 
All right, and that was Doogie. Hell yeah, Doogie. <laughs> yeah, Doogie, I'm with you, man. I know a lot of lefties that way, like hardcore lefties. Uh, they, uh, well, Miles, <laughs> uh, our good friend Miles, you know, he, he uh, not only did he vote for Biden, he was making phone calls to Michigan. And as soon as the election's over, you know, you can see like how difficult that was and challenging that is in many ways. Uh, but the reality is, and my, this is me speaking to and I think you feel the same way, is that Donald Trump represents uh, a very serious threat to democracy in this country. And uh, you can, uh, the way, the, the sort of the lawlessness and uh, racism that he advocates, him going to Kenosha, just think about that. We started the show talking about that, we'll end it. Going to Kenosha to what? Celebrate the death of two lefties? Is that what you're celebrating? Just to try to get white people afraid of black people? Is that what you're trying to do? Just the symbolism of Donald Trump going to Kenosha in the closing days and thinking that's what's going to help me get elected. And Oberweiss rushing up there, the ice cream man rushing up there and now thinking, ah, oh, wow, that did work. You know, it's scary. So I just felt, though, it was, it was a vote against racism and a vote against fascism uh, to vote against Donald Trump. And that's why I was eager to do it and happy to do it. And we'll see where it's all going. I do believe Joe Biden will be victorious uh, Doogie, I think he will win the election. The only issue is, will Donald Trump's judges steal it from him and uh, hand it over to him? That will be fun. By the way, we're having a conversation with Jim Coogan on this. Uh, we, uh, we'll, I'll be interviewing him about ooh, uh, about forty minutes or so, and uh, we'll drop that probably on Saturday. Uh, Ace Attorney Jim Coogan will be breaking down all the legal issues at stake in the the cases that Donald Trump is filing. <laughs> on one hand, he's saying, "Stop the count." And the other hand, he's saying, keep counting. Hmm, running out of hands there, Donnie. All right. Uh, All right. More updates? Uh, well, we just want to remind everybody uh, to be like Doogie and send us a voicemail, 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. You're welcome, Doogie. Uh, and also send us an email, Show at gmail.com. And you can find us on social media at Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J show. And that's it. Who the hell knows what's going to happen tomorrow, huh? A lot of crazy <laughs> political news going on right now. A lot of insanity. Uh, I want to thank Miles Conflassen uh, for joining us. Did a great job as he always does. Of course, the man, myth, the legend, the pride and joy of all in Illinois, without whom sh- the show would be possible. And as Doogie, Steven, and Miles can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. E. <laughs> Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everyone. state with a grand history. Illinois is a state with a grand history. I won't just turn the car around. I won't just turn the car around. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. Illinois is a state with a grand history of Illinois is a state with a grand history of Illinois, 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 Illinois.